Hola, hola. Feliz Friday. ¿Cómo estás? I hope that you're doing well. I hope that life is treating you kind. Welcome to another episode of the Feliz Friday edition of the Latina Mom Legacy Podcast. I am your host, Jenny Perez, coming to you from sunny Florida this week. Thank you so much for tuning in in whatever part of the world that you are tuning in from. Uh, this week, I want to give a special shout out to Costa Rica. Mi gente en Costa Rica, thank you so much for tuning in. Mil, mil gracias. Uh, if this is your first time listening to the Latina Mom Legacy podcast, welcome, welcome to the show. On Fridays, it's uh, totally unedited, and it's just me in the car or wherever I find myself um, out and about uh, trying to find a way to empower you and share my uh, personal experiences in hopes that uh, you learn. I think it's important that we learn from others. And uh, we can sometimes uh, find ourselves in similar situations or in similar shoes. So I think it's always helpful. Every other Tuesday, I interview Latina moms, usually change makers or women that have empowering stories to tell. And uh, that's every other Tuesday. And we talk about everything from raising bilingual kids to madrehood to uh, you name it, tradiciones. We have a good time every other Tuesday. Uh, last week, or I should say this last episode this past Tuesday, I interviewed Marcela Collier. Marcela is a TikTok viral sensation. If you haven't had a chance to listen to that episode, um, take a listen. She is transforming the way we are parenting with her uh, unique parenting approach called Parenting with Understanding. And uh, her views have millions of views. It's it's very, very empowering. Así que te, te lo recomiendo. I highly recommend it. This week, I want to talk to you about the challenges of having a loved one with dementia or with early signs and symptoms of dementia and what that uh, may look like and the challenges that that you may face, especially as um, our parents start to age. So just a little bit of background on, on my mom and the reason why I am here in Florida this week. So in 2010, my mom suffered a stroke. After my mom suffered her stroke, she suffered from uh, what they call vascular uh, dementia. And so when she suffered the stroke, she had uh, her brain, her memory was affected severely. So her short-term memory was um, pretty affected. And uh, her long-term term memory amazingly sort of woke up. And it's it's kind of fascinating how, how the brain is because while she suffered uh, memory loss, another part of her brain sort of woke up. So all of a sudden, my mom was telling me stories of when I was a baby that she had never, ever uh, told me before. And she says that she they just became very vivid memories. So it was, it's very kind of interesting how how the brain can can um, uh, can work once it, it experiences trauma, right? So my mom went through a lot of therapy. She did not have any, because of the stress, she didn't have any physical uh, limitations. But she, once again, she suffered some cognitive function um, uh, uh, loss, right? Now, at the time she was living with my dad, my dad was still alive. My dad passed away in 2020. While she didn't suffer... Uh, any mobility issues. She did suffer cognitive issues. My dad was always there uh, to support and guide her because my dad was highly functional and he was just very, very much with it, right? Uh, what happened was uh, after my dad died in 2020 uh, in December from COVID, what happened was that 
uh, as you may or may not know, if you're a long-time listener, you know sort of everything that we've been through. And if you're new to the show, I can tell you that it's been, since my dad passed away, it's been very much uh, a transition for our entire family because my dad did everything for her. My dad did everything around their apartment and he was taking care of the bills and he was taking care of the groceries and he was taking care of everything, right? So after my dad passed away, we sort of, um, the children, uh, my brother, my sister, and myself have all sort of stepped in to uh, have caretaker roles. Now, none of us live with her full time. My sister um, sort of stays with her as much as possible in the evenings and sort of has a like semi-living situation with her. I travel as much as I can about once a month. I am down here for at least a week uh, to sort of help her take her to doctor's appointments, uh, catch up on bills, anything that needs my attention, I am here. And then my brother will fly in as he can to sort of take care of like the physical stuff that the apartment may need that I can't handle because I'm, I'm actually pretty handy. I'm, I'm very proud to say that. <laughs> actually, I just changed the site now. I just changed her, her locks myself. So I'm really proud of being handy. And that was, a, that was something my daddy taught me, me papi. So anyway, um, so we all kind of taken turns, uh, sort of adjusting to this new life. Um, and we, both my brother and I have wanted her to, my mom to come live with us, uh, because this way she can have a little bit more, uh, attention and she can be surrounded by, uh, friends and, and family sort of 24 seven. But my mom doesn't want to necessarily come live with us. She'll stay extended periods of time, but she doesn't want to live with us, right? Now, when you have a parent that has early uh, stages of dementia, and I will, I will, in a minute, I'll tell you like what sort of things you can look for, right? So my mom's dementia was triggered by uh, her stroke. After she went through therapy, she was able to regain most of her cognitive function with the exception of maybe some of her memory, right? So she was able to function pretty normal, pretty without, without any issues. Again, my dad was the one, you know, taking care of a lot of things. After she was diagnosed that she, she was, she had been through therapy, it's sort of been a, a subtle, a very subtle decline or a, a subtle decline in cognitive function. Or you can see it as her dementia has slightly increased little by little, year by year, right? And some of the symptoms that you can look for in somebody that has early stages of, of dementia is they start to forget uh, things. Like you may be talking uh, to them and they'll forget like the next word. Like my mom will say, Ay, se me olvidó la, la, la palabra. O, o se me fue la palomita. Right. So they'll start to like mid sentence. They can forget things. Uh, another thing is that they may start to forget like time and space, like uh, what day it is, what month it is, what year it is. Uh, if you ask my mom, she may not necessarily know what year we're in, but she'll she'll know that it's Friday. So things like this where they may appear to know uh, a year or a day, but they may not know what month they are in. Um, those are some early signs of, of dementia. Other signs can include them forgetting to do things for, for themselves. So maybe it could be like they may forget whether they ate or whether they had breakfast. 
um, or they may forget um, if they took medication or did not take medication. Um, so these are some of the symptoms that we have experienced. Not every day. Again, this is this is not an everyday occurrence. It's just little incidents that that you start to to see and you start to kind of put two and two together and you start to see a, a pattern. So they may forget like whether they have a doctor's appointment. They may forget. Um, a big one is they may forget how to do their bills or if they paid their bills. Uh, they they start to to forget how to do sort of everyday little tasks that they were able to do before. So like my mom, before she was able to, if she had an appointment, she was able to look at the calendar and tell you, okay, I have an appointment this day. Now she's she doesn't know whether she has an appointment or not. So these are all little signs that you should start looking out for with um with your parents, with your aging parents. And of course, memory loss is something that is a natural part of getting old. But when you start to see a consistent pattern, then that's that's sort of a red flag. And uh, I would recommend because when parents have dementia, when elderly parents have dementia, they do not necessarily want to admit that they have dementia. And many of them are very stubborn when it comes to uh, anything that has to do with them sort of losing some sort of brain function or physical motion, even at that. Uh, you have to understand that for most people, we value our independence. We value being able to do things for ourselves and do things on our own. And as we age and as we are not as able to do these things for ourselves, nobody wants to admit that they can't do something on their own, right? And it's especially... It's especially harder uh, when they have dementia because uh, while you may know that they're not able to do these things on their own, they will very likely not admit that there is a problem or that there is anything wrong. And so even if you start to suggest that there is a problem, uh, you may find yourself in situations where you may be fighting with your elderly uh, loved one uh, because they do not want to admit that. So one thing that helps is when you uh, when they are at doctor's appointments, if you can go with them and if you have an open conversation with their doctor in terms of how their cognitive function is declining and if they, if the professional, it's like, remember, these are adult kids. Uh, they start to become like adult children. So if the doctor diagnoses them with dementia or with Alzheimer's or vascular dementia, and there are all sorts of different types of dementia, by the way. It's not just Alzheimer's or, or a, a particular type. They all um, have similar characteristics, uh, but uh, each one has different nuances. So depending on the type of dementia that your elderly loved one has, you may find yourself doing specific specific things for that specific type of dementia. Now, as I mentioned, my mom has vascular dementia and uh, the doctor um, was has been very helpful in letting my mom know that she, do she does have uh, dementia. She is aware that she does have dementia or early stages of dementia, but regardless of her awareness, she really doesn't understand the... Um, the severity of having dementia and what it really means. So what happened last week 
and the whole reason why I'm here this week is that my mom locked herself out of the apartment. Um, she typically doesn't leave her, her apartment complex, uh, only to basically do laundry, which is just a few feet down from, from her apartment. And, uh, she locked herself out of the, the apartment and, uh, she was gone from 10 o'clock until six o'clock in the evening. And all of us, uh, my brother, my sister and I were, uh, horrified, not knowing where my mom was, what she was doing, where she was with. She left her phone in the house. So we had no way to communicate with her. Uh, on top of that, my mom is diabetic has high blood pressure. So we were worried that, um, she would have, uh, un bajón de azúcar, like her blood sugar would, would go down and, you know, maybe she would faint, maybe she would have like some sort of, uh, something would happen. And then you start to wonder like, okay, did she go roaming around? Did, you know, you start thinking crazy things. Can, could she potentially have gotten hit by a car? You know, just like crazy things that you start to think of because that's just where your mind goes and is sort of in, of inevitable. Long story short, um, she ended up at a different, being at different neighbors' houses. Um, and after she left the first neighbor, she told me that she was going to go for a walk. She went walking for hours. Then she appeared at another neighbor's house and then never told the first neighbor that she was going to the other neighbor's house, never, never appeared. So the first neighbor was frantic and I'm having like all these conversations with all these people trying to figure out how to locate my mom. My brother called the police. And so anyway, it, it was just a very, very terrifying situation. And uh, what we realized is that, so while my mom was very functional and she had been doing really well, and once again, we've all sort of been taking turns watching after her and being there, we realized that it is not enough for her. And uh, I think part of the problem is that when you, you're an adult child, and you see your parents uh, start to age and you see them that they are not as uh, functional as they used to be, but they themselves want to be functional. They, they are trying really hard to show you that they can do things that you want to sort of give them the benefit of the doubt, right? And not take their independence away. So for a while, um, we were like, no, 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 she needs uh, around the clock care. She needs around the clock care. And then uh, for for a little bit, she was like, "No, I can do some things on my own. It's okay. You know, I'm not I'm not going to venture out. It's things that you know we, we were like, okay, she's she can do things on her own, right? Uh, she is okay. And now we realize that while she means well, and while we mean well, and we meant well, I should say, that it it is very apparent that she needs a lot more care." Than, than we realize, than all of us realize. And uh, unfortunately, like my mom lives in Florida, and unfortunately the state of Florida, because it's an elderly uh, state, and because there are so many uh, retired uh, and elderly people he living here, that the, the system is just, everything takes very long. So once my father passed away, um, we went through this whole process, and she was put on the, the state's um, priority list, uh, for some sort of care, uh, long-term care. And, uh, here in Florida, it's called the Department of, uh, uh, the Alliance of Aging is what it's called. And I've been literally for over a year going back and forth, 
calling just about every month trying to to get the paperwork in order. And then finally today, today, a year plus later, we had the appointment with them with the state rep and um and the lady was very very nice. She was very nice and but she was very honest with me. She was very honest and she made it very clear to me that uh my mom does need uh more attentive care. And uh and I think that was sort of what I needed to hear and what my my brother and sister needed to hear just because I think that you know when you hear from somebody else that's a professional that's been doing this for a long time you you sort of um listen a little bit more (laughs) right and I mean we knew it but sometimes you need to hear from somebody else right so I think now it's just a matter of waiting a little bit and figuring out one, um, what sort of system or program my mom qualifies for. And two, uh, we're at the point where we need to take measures in terms of a little bit of long-term commitment in terms of how my mom is going to be taken care of. And, you know, it's a very difficult conversation to have uh, with your siblings because uh, being a long-term uh, caretaker is a very difficult situation. And it's not that, for example, it's not that I don't want to take my mom in, that I don't want to have her with me, because I absolutely would love to have my mom with me and, and I have the flexibility that I can um, work from home and you know I have a lot of things that I'm able to do for her, not everything, so I would probably... Um, want to hire somebody to kind of aid me in helping her but I would love to have her live with me the problem with that is that I live in New Jersey and New Jersey is a very uh cold state and my mom doesn't want to be in New Jersey uh when it's cold and when and I understand that and we have our own limitations within our home well my I don't have a big home so we we would need to figure out like a place where she would have her own space because again independence is very important when you have uh elderly parents like you you want them to have their own space but you you want to be able to to um you know see them and make sure that they are okay so it, it's different when you have your own room when you have your own dedicated space then you feel like you're going to somebody's house to to visit it's a very different situation so that's sort of my situation out there so it's not ideal for her and I respect that well I may want that I respect that that's not something that she wants now my brother lives in Texas and you know he would love for my mom to live with them and his family in Texas which is great and all um, they do have the space they have um, you know the spare bedroom to to be with her to have her there but again it's out in the woods it's out in the country my mom is uh, doesn't necessarily like to live in the country and besides that it's like is your wife my my sister-in-law is your wife prepared to be a full-time caretaker you know and while my brother may be quick to say yes I mean have you sat down and had this conversation with your wife because I bet you have not because well you may want the best for your mom like this is a serious conversation that you have to have with everybody in the family because this is something that affects everybody in the family and the same situation with my sister and her husband right it, it, my sister would love to leave her her job and just take care of but the truth is that 
they don't make enough for that to happen. So it's just, it's a lot of things that you need to have. Uh, it's a lot of conversations and unfortunately a lot of difficult conversations that you have to have and that you have to face. And some of which nobody wants to do. Nobody wants to have these conversations. I certainly don't want to have these conversations. It's a very difficult conversation to have with my husband. It's a very difficult conversation to have with my siblings because at the end of the day, we all want the well-being for, for our mom. And I think it's also harder uh, because we are Latino, because we are um, Hispanic, if that's what you want to call it, uh, because we are culturally, we our culture teaches us that we are to take care of our elder, elderly parents, right? We don't, we don't throw them off to the nursing home. You know, that, that may be something that maybe other cultures are quicker to do, you know, with aging parents. But in our culture, I mean, think about it. Like, I have here the statistics of, of the caregivers in the Latino community just, just for comparison. And this is a, according to the Evercare study of Hispanic family caregiving in the U.S. And this is findings from the national study. So Latinos, Latino caregivers are likely to be female, 74%. And live with the children, live with children or grandchildren. These are the caretakers. 25% are caring for someone with dementia. Okay, so 25% of, of our community is caring for somebody of the caretakers with dementia. I have to like get closer because I'm a little bit blind here. Um, Latino elders tend to live with relatives. Almost 10% need help from another person in terms of personal care. 40% of working Latino caregivers reported they needed to take a leave of absence, changing jobs, cut back hours, or step or stop work entirely to take care of their loved ones. So as you can see, this is something that we don't take lightly. This is something that, that it's within our culture to do, right? Latinos live longer than non-white Latinos, and, but their health tend to be worse. So if you're a caretaker, you're likely to be a caretaker in the long haul for a long time. And here's the upside. The good news is that 85%, I'm sorry, 88% feel fulfilled in their caregiving role. 49% feel they're very sighted with their social life. And 82% have family who share in the caregiving. So once again, because... Because we were brought up to, you know, love our, our elderly, to take care of them, this is not something that we just hand off to somebody else and say, hey, you know, here, we're going to put her in this facility, you watch her, and I'll, I'll come visit every six months. That's not something that we do. So because of that, I think it becomes uh, even more difficult. And when you have family that is spread out, so like in our case, we're in three different states, Florida, Texas, in New Jersey, uh, when we're spread out, uh, it, it makes taking care of loved ones uh, harder because it's not like, hey, you know, we all live in the same city. Let's go ahead and, you know, we can, you can stay here for, for, for a while and, you know, I'll just drive 10 minutes and, and, you know, drop her off or, you know, like take turns like that. It's not as easy. We are taking turns, but we're flying. We're flying everywhere. So it's just, it becomes a challenge. It becomes a challenge and uh, it's one that you have to sort of embrace and, and take it step by step and, and, and take it day by day. Uh, I will say that what has helped me 
in, in this whole process is trying to be informed and trying to ask a lot of questions to people that have been through this so that I know what are the offices, what is available to me, what is available to my mom, what is available to my family, what, what are our options. So right now, because we're at the initial phase, we're sort of, uh, uh, right now just let's, let's take it step by step and sort of figure it out as we go. Because one thing that we know is that we, the children, the adult children, we want to try to spend as much time with our, with, with my mom as possible. Whatever that situation looks like, we would rather her be with one of us or in that scenario than be in a full-time care facility because that's just, I mean, that would break my heart. That, that would, that would break my heart. Um, but at this point, seeing where she's at, seeing how she is, you know, we have to have these conversations and, and figure out something that's going to work for everyone, that makes sense for everyone, and more importantly, where she feels happy. Because when we have elderly parents, we want to make sure that, I don't want to say their last days because I, I don't want to sound morbid, but that the, the end of their life, the, their golden years or their, I don't know, their scene, is that what they call them, the golden years? I have no idea. You know, the, the last uh, phase of their lives that they're happy. I want my mom to be happy. I don't want my mom to feel like her children gave up on her because, I mean, she she did, she sacrificed so much for us then. I just think it's okay that we can sacrifice a little bit of ourselves for her. And like I said, well, it's not easy. As you can see, I've cried a lot. And this is very hard. Because nobody wants to see a loved one suffer. Nobody wants to see a loved one unhappy. But you take it day by day and you try to figure it out. You try to figure it out. But get get informed. Get informed. And, and unfortunately, this is not something that is like readily and easily available I mean without you having to dig you have to dig so if you find yourself in this situation know that you are not alone that there are others just like you who are hurting and suffering and um but know that everything will be okay because everything will be okay you just take it one step at a time you take it one day at a time and just try to be present be present for yourself be present for your loved ones because, you know, they matter. They matter and they mean a lot to you. And they mean, I know my mom means everything to me. I already lost my dad. And I want to make sure that the time that I have with my mom is is precious. It's precious because after she's gone, lo que me quedan son los recuerdos. Y lo que yo hice por mi mamá. That's it. That's all I have for you today. I know it's a little bit of an emotional one. It's hard not to get emotional when when it's something like this so anyway i hope that you have i hope this helped you in some way i hope that you have a great great weekend love yourself love your kids love your family love your elderly ones no son desechables they matter and so do you have a great day te quiero un beso un abrazo and i'll talk to you soon ciao 
I have to take a second to tell you about Preply. Preply is the online tutoring platform that we use for language learning. Mija has been using Preplay for months and I see a huge difference in her conversational Spanish. I'm so excited to be able to offer you 50% off your first tutoring class. Check out the link in the show notes or visit the latinamomlegacy.com and click on today's episode. But you have to use my link so you can get the discount. Give it a try. You'll see a huge difference. Remember, raising a bilingual child doesn't have to be perfect, but you have to start somewhere.